You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 41. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm bringing you another inspiring guest interview. My guest has built an ultra-successful business that has grown to serve more than 200,000 customers and has more than 125 employees all over the world. He's sharing his journey and his insights that he's learned along the way with us in today's episode. But first, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, Welcome. I am Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed nearly $2 million in ad spend and served more than 700 students and clients. We are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And while I teach a lot about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And that's why I love to bring you interviews with experts and successful business owners like my guest today. I am so excited to share with you my interview with my friend, Greg Mercer. Greg is the founder and CEO of Jungle Scout, the leading software for Amazon sellers. He's a leader in the Amazon selling community and originally built Jungle Scout as a Chrome extension to automate his process of finding products to sell on Amazon. Today, Greg leads a team of 125 plus global employees who have built Jungle Scout into a robust suite of SaaS solutions. Greg has helped thousands of people build their own businesses and pursue financial freedom. He continues to share his experience and advice, frequently speaking at conferences or on podcasts or videos about e-commerce and entrepreneurship. He's a graduate of Auburn University, loves big data, good coffee, and the latest technology. He currently lives in Austin with his wife, Elizabeth. And I am so honored to have Greg on the show. In this episode, you will learn how Greg successfully launched the first version of Jungle Scout to an email list of only 100 people and virtually no audience. Greg shares the ins and outs of how he makes hiring decisions in his rapidly growing company, how his role as CEO has evolved as the business has matured, Greg's top tips for becoming a better leader and manager, why philanthropy is important to Greg and Jungle Scout and the unconventional ways they've incorporated giving back into their business model, and of course, a whole lot more. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all of the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 41. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 41. All right, let's dive into the interview with Greg Mercer from junglescout.com. Hey, Greg, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am super excited about chatting with you today. Monica, I'm excited to chat with you too. It's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, we always have a good time together. Yeah. So you and I first met at Brand Accelerator Live, Scott Volker's event um, this past year. We were both speakers and it was such an incredible speaker lineup. Um, So it was just a uh, truly an honor for me to be included in that and to meet everybody there. But we had a great time hanging out that weekend. Um, but tell everybody who's listening who you are and what you do. And then I want to go back into you know how you got started. Yeah, totally. So I'm Greg Mercer. I am the founder and CEO of Jungle Scout. Jungle Scout is a software tool for Amazon sellers. We got started as a product research tool for Amazon sellers and it's really grown into a tool that now our customers are using to um, not only find new products for their business, but also to grow and manage and optimize their business. And I got into it because I was an Amazon seller. I still run that business uh, today just to kind of like keep myself in the know. But I spend 90% of my brain power on Jungle Scout, the software tool. 
Awesome. So how did you get started? Can you share a little bit about what made you get started with selling on Amazon? Were you always an entrepreneur? Um, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So if we rewind till college, I think that's kind of where it started for me. I went to school to be a civil engineer and I graduated. I got a job in that field as a lot of people do after graduating. And I think I realized about like week number two, I was like, whoa, this sucks. <laughs> this is not for me. I'm not having fun. I don't like how I'm spending my days. And my whole life, I've had like a little, little bit of like an entrepreneurial spirit. And at that point, I was really just looking for like anything to make money so I didn't have to work this job that I hated. So I tried like kind of a handful of different things, you know, maybe made a few dollars doing this, a few dollars doing that. And one of the things that are pretty much like the first thing that I was able to pick up kind of like some decent traction with was selling physical products on Amazon. So I was actually able to grow that business enough that I was able to quit my job and or I was able to replace my engineering income with the money I was making from this business. As a result, I quit my job. I convinced my wife to quit her job. We started traveling around the world, just living as digital nomads. Uh, early on during that period, I started Jungle Scout as like a way to kind of scratch a, scratch my own itch as a, a pain point I was having. And uh, yeah, that's how I kind of got into what I'm doing today. Very cool. So um, was that always the plan? I mean, you started off with, in, you know, kind of like corporate c career, but did you always kind of have this vision of I wanted my own freedom and I wanted to travel and you knew that that would be part of the plan someday? I don't, to be honest, like when I graduated college, I don't know if I really ever thought like, what do I want to be doing in five or 10 years? I don't, you know, now saying that out loud sounds kind of crazy because now I'm much more thinking about like how I want to spend my life and what makes me happy. But I think at the time, those thoughts didn't really even cross my mind. I was probably more so just thinking like, hey, what's going on in the next few months? Um, yeah, or maybe that year. So I don't know if I necessarily had like this plan of life and like was trying to like execute on that plan. Okay. So to put things into perspective though, Jungle Scout completely took off. Um, the company has been around for almost five years now, right? That's right. Okay. And so tell everybody how many customers you have and then how many employees you have as well. Yeah. So as of today, Jungle Scout has around like 225,000 customers and there's about 125 people who work at Jungle Scout. That is awesome. And you have multiple locations around the world. Yeah. So I live in Austin. This is our HQ, but we also have an office in Vancouver where a lot of our product team and developers work from. And then about a year ago, we opened up an office in China as well. Very cool. That is awesome. So what is that? I mean, that's incredible growth. When, when you first started, you know, almost five years ago, what did that look like? Did you hire employees right away? Um, I know you started with developers to create the software product, but what did, what did those first beginning, you know, hiring sessions look like? Uh, they looked like I had no idea what I was doing. No, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I started this tool as a, like I was having this problem that some of the products I was launching on Amazon were doing well, some of them were doing poorly. And like when I got down to the bottom of it, it was just because or it all came down to how much demand was for these products on Amazon. And being like a pretty just like data-driven type person, I was able to develop algorithms to estimate how well products were selling on Amazon. And they were actually like a, that was pretty um, just kind of like revolutionary at the time to like understand demand on Amazon before we started selling a product. So the reason I tell you this whole story is because when I was developing the software tool, my goal wasn't to start a company. It was instead, I was like, man, if I could just make back the amount of money that I'm uh, investing to develop this tool, then like I would consider this a win because like I wanted one, I want it for myself. So like if I could just break even, then it would, it would be a win. So I, it really wasn't until probably like six months after launch till I started like thinking about and treating it more like a real business. In the beginning, it was very much like a, a side hustle from my normal entrepreneurial career. And I was looking to just yeah make a few bucks. So those first few hires, which was the question, I think you know I hired one developer to, to build the tool that was enough to launch it. 
And then after that, I think my next couple hires were also developers. And then hires probably like number four and five or five and six was a marketing person and uh, customer support. Awesome. In those early stages, I mean, did you see right away? Well, first of all, let Let's talk about the launch plan. I mean, was it was it a success right off the bat or was it really that six months in where you really started to focus on growing this that things really took off? So, you know, at the time, I didn't have any audience at all. I was, my business was doing quite well, but it was purely through uh, the Amazon sales channel selling physical products. So a very different business, right? The way I launched it was I was pretty active in a number of like Amazon communities, mostly on Facebook. And I, I built up like a, probably a certain level of rapport in there because, you know, they'd probably recognize my name because I was just kind of always commenting on threads or asking questions or whatever else. So after I developed the very, very basic version of it, I essentially just like took a little screen share, or a little screen grab. I posted it in these Facebook groups. It was just like, hey, what do you guys think about this? Do you have any feedback for me? Is this something that you'd be interested in buying? Um, if you want to just kind of stay in the loop of what's going on with this as I try to build this tool, uh, you know, here's a landing page with an email opt-in just through like asking questions and asking for feedback and stuff on it in like two or three Facebook groups. And I think Reddit too, I was able to get like a hundred email leads and that was my launch list. <laughs> and I, so I launched it to those hundred leads. I sold, I think 11 or 12, just like that initial day within like the first hour of emailing all those people. So, I mean, to, you know, like that's only a dozen customers, which is so small, uh, compared to like how we think about it today. But to convert like a dozen customers out of 100 leads that you got from a couple of Facebook groups over the past few days, I think that's like pretty good validation right off the bat that people are interested in it. And so yeah, that's how it all started. Uh, and then obviously things change over the coming months and weeks and years uh, to get to where we're at today. But that's how I did the launch. Very cool. So I, I love how you, I mean, just started small and you, you, sh I appreciate that you shared that you didn't have an audience because the business that you had built up, um, was obviously a very different niche. And so with this business, you didn't have an audience for other Amazon sellers. And so you started to build those relationships and grow your list. Even, I mean, a lot of people might think that a hundred people on an email list isn't very much, isn't enough, isn't, you know, um, uh, really any any kind of amount to make a uh, an impact with but in order to you know launch it and with minimal viable product i think that was great so um and then 12 people 11 12 people to buy right away i mean that is tremendous validation yeah that's a uh, one that's a good conversion rate i think by almost anyone's standards from email marketing but two this was just the first time that people had voted or voted with their credit cards to let me know that, hey, people are actually willing to spend real money for this thing. Yeah. And, and I like too, how you were just trying to solve your own problem. So you weren't in it to make a new business essentially, you know, initially. Um, and that's kind of like how I got into Facebook ads where I just wanted to learn Facebook ads for myself, for my, you know, for my first business. And that's when, you know, I kind of found my footing and, and it kind of took off from there. But I, I like that you were trying to solve your own problems. So yeah. after those first initial months and then and then you really started to treat it more like a business, what changed at that point? So how did how did you become more intentional in treating it like a business? Well, it's funny because the the physical product business I had selling on Amazon, like I mentioned, it was doing quite well. So I was actually trying to be kind of disciplined about not chasing the next shiny object. I'm like, I have a business here that's working. Like I had a very clear plan how in the next three years I was going to grow it by a lot. And I knew uh, I was very familiar with this space. You know, I consider myself probably kind of like an expert in that space at the time. So it was very like low risk. And like I, I was quite confident in the plan I had to like grow the business to get it to where I really wanted. Yeah, I was trying to be really mindful of that and be like, hey, you know, there's always another, the next shiny object. Like, you know, you have a really good business, like just stay focused on it and continue to grow it. And that's what I, that's, so that's how I spent the majority of my time. But then, um, you know, like after those first dozen, I think the next week or two, like I just made a few sales, even though I wasn't doing any marketing or hadn't sent out any more emails or anything else. So I was like, man, are people like telling their friends that they should get this? And then I think like the next week someone reached out to me who was 
teaching a course. Again, this was like a relatively small course. I think maybe they had like 50 or 100 students. But they asked me to come on a webinar and like show how I do product research and how this like Jungle Scout extension uh, was useful because they had found it and they thought it was really cool. So I was like, yeah, I've never done one of these before, but why not? Side note, it's really funny to like go back and look at really old webinars like that because they're so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But but, um, then after that, like after I did that webinar again, there was like 50 or 100 people in this class and I think I sold like another dozen. So I was like, man, this is like it does pretty well. Like pretty much whoever I get it in front of is uh, likes it a lot. It's giving me really good feedback and is actually buying it from that. I, I think then at that point I started reaching out to some other people who were teaching courses about how to sell on Amazon. And I think I had mixed reviews. You know, a lot of people were like, who the heck are you, man? What, what kind of software are you trying to sell me? I've never heard of this thing. Other people, I think, were more open to it and they're like, wow, this actually is pretty cool and this would be really useful for our, our audience. And the, the most traction I got in those early days was from uh, doing essentially webinars on how to find products to sell on Amazon. So that's how I made kind of like those first, uh, probably the first 100 or maybe 200 sales. And then... From there, it started to grow a little bit organically. I started, to, you know, instead of only like five hours a week, I was starting to spend like 10 hours a week on it. And then I think it was like about six months in where, you know, I was probably making a few thousand dollars a month just from this business. I was having a lot of fun doing it. It was new challenges. And I just felt like I was learning a lot more than what I was in my physical products business because it was all of it was so new to me. So I think like six months in, I was like, man, I, at this point, I think I want to devote like half my time to this business. And that's when I started treating it a little bit more seriously. And then over the next six months is probably when I started to devote like 90% of my time to it instead of half. Very cool. So how, as you started to grow and scale, I want to find out, I really want to dig into how you hire that many people you know, so quickly and you find the right people who, you know, for the right positions, how you even determine what positions are the, you know, the best because you're creating new positions, um, I'm assuming. And so how do you determine what position you need to hire for? And then how do you go about finding those right people? Yeah. So for the developer roles, it was... I guess it was pretty like obvious to me that I needed to hire them because I wasn't a developer. I still have no idea how to write code. So those are kind of like, those are ones were a little bit easier. When it came to hiring like my first marketing person or my first customer support rep, those were really out of a, like I was being just like stretched a little bit too thin. And I actually had asked my wife to help me with, with some of the customer support emails because we were starting to get quite a few more. And then with the marketing stuff, I was starting to like pick up on it fairly quickly. Most of the marketing activities were getting like really good ROI. Um, but the limiting factor was just how much time in the day I had to spend on marketing it. So that's when I think I was like, okay, this is when it makes sense to bring in someone else to help with marketing. And then from there, how do, how do you, I mean, how do you decide today what new positions to add? Yeah, today it's much different. Um, today it is... A much more kind of like long-term thinking, you know, like uh, we're, we're recording this in November and, you know, for the past few weeks, we've been doing all of like our 2020 planning. So our planning for next year, whereas like back then, you know, I was like planning a week ahead of time or two weeks ahead of time, right? So like today it's more so about like, okay, what, what investments do we want to make next year? Where do we feel like we're doing a good job? Where do we feel like we're slipping behind? So for example, you know, if we, uh, like six months ago, I'd say we felt like we were slipping behind on some of like the product development work. We felt like some of our competitors were just like improving just as fast or maybe even faster than we were. So that's what was like, okay, like we really need to like beef up our product team so we can develop more work much faster. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of like how we think about it now. Like what areas do we really need to improve in or what areas do we really want to invest in that we think is going to like help get the company to where we want to take it? Awesome. And so then for hiring, uh, how do you go about finding those people? Because I know are a lot of people still virtual and then you have the three locations. So out of the 125 people, probably 25 or 30 of them work remote and then everyone else works in the offices. And how we find people today is much different than how we did in the early days. So today we actually have two 
um, full-time in-house recruiters. So whenever we're looking for a new role, we post it on our website, but I don't think we've ever, I don't think we ever really hire people from like people submitting resumes. Pretty much everyone we hire, at least all the best people are through outbound um, outreach, uh, which is primarily just messaging people through LinkedIn. So like when we have a new role open, one of the recruiters will find a whole bunch of candidates that they think would be a really good fit for that particular role. They message them on LinkedIn, they do a first round interview, then they move them into like the, the normal interviewing process. Okay, awesome. So how has your role changed over the years? I mean, starting off and bootstrapping initially, you know, you're needing to kind of do all the things, as you mentioned, you know, customer support and marketing and all of it. And so how have you just figured out how to focus or how to best focus your time? Yeah, my role's changed a lot because, you know, like today I have a full executive team in C-suite that reports to me. So I'm no longer like directly managing any of the teams, which is really weird for me and definitely like a big transition. If I think back at like the history of Jungle Scout, the times that I feel like there's been like the most change in my particular role is like the first time is when it was probably like mm, 10, 12, maybe 14 people. Uh, pretty much like it got up to that point, which is me directly managing all these people. And then it was like, okay, this is like too much for me. And that's when we promoted someone into the first manager. So I promoted someone into a developer manager. And then I think just like a few months later, I probably devoted one guy into the marketing manager. So like the developer, there was like five or six people on his dev team then. Uh, our marketing manager that time had two direct reports. And then I went from like 12 or 14 or whatever it was down to, uh, I think then I had like four or five direct reports. So that's like, that was one time I feel like my role started to change because before that, and it wasn't even really like I was managing these people, like in the sense that I think about it today. Cause like when the teams are just really small and close knit like that, just like the management is much different. Right. Um, but that was the first time that now instead of like me directly managing people, I had like a layer beneath me that they were starting to manage people. And and then I feel like there was like another pretty big change when we got to maybe like 30 or 40 people. And the the reason like that number sticks out to me is up until that point, a lot of our hires were much more kind of like generalists, just like hustlers, just like get it done type people. Uh, most of the team was quite young. Uh, very few people on the team had any like people manager experience or were very like far along in their careers. And that worked like really well when the company was really small because a lot of times you just need like these like scrappy, just like hustlers, like just can figure out how to get stuff done. But then when once we hit the like 30 or 40 person mark, it, I realized it was like starting to break quite a bit. And that was really the point that it, it took me a little bit too long to realize this, but like in hindsight, it's really easy to see that like we definitely just needed more experienced uh, managers. So like at that point is when we started to hire or when I started to hire, I think I hired like one VP role back then and like one or two director level uh, employees. And all of them would have had experience managing at least teams of like five or 10, but maybe even like 20 or 30 people. There's just a big difference from a manager who has been promoted to the role and it's the first time of them managing and they just have like a few people working for them compared to like a, like a real VP who has managed um, bigger teams and have managed teams with a layer beneath them in the past. So what are your best tips for somebody who is in the place where you were, where you're growing this team and it's growing fast and you're having to learn how to manage people or there resources that you dove into or what have you learned, you know, with your experience now looking back? I'd say one tip I would have is from all my like experience now, hiring and firing and managing, it's very rare and unlikely that a first time manager does a good job at it. Like we, even here at Jungle Scout now, we like put them, like when we promote someone to a, a people manager, or like we put them through this training, but it's like, it feels like no matter how much like training we do to like, they always make the same mistakes. Um, but as long as they have like a good boss, like a good mentor for them to like help them turn into like a good people manager, then it like tends to work out. 
So the reason I say that is because I would recommend if you're listening to this, you're like, okay, I have like 10 people working for me and it probably sounds familiar that things are getting like a little bit hectic and a little bit crazy and chaotic. If that's the case, I would probably recommend that you hire just like more experienced people earlier on as opposed to like what I did. And I think what I see a lot of entrepreneurs do that you just hire much more of this like lesser experience, just much more like scrappy, make it happen type person. So I think, yeah, I think that's one really, that would be one really big tip. The other one would be find like a mentor, a group of mentors, or even a mastermind of people who, uh, I mean, hopefully there's some people in that group that are like kind of at the next level. So I really wish, you know, when I had like a 10 person team that I was part of a mastermind or had some good mentors that had 20 or 30 people teams, because they'd probably be telling me all these things that otherwise I was like kind of figuring out the hard way. I believe that's valuable because now I kind of do have that. And it's like, I really see that they help me kind of like see blind spots and see around those corners for like experiences that I don't have yet. So I think that's a great one. Um, another good one is just reading. You know, uh, a few of my favorite books for that are Scaling Up is a good book. Um, the Hard Thing About Hard Things is a good book. Uh, I really like the book Radical Candor. I'd say all three of those are pretty good for entrepreneurs who are looking to grow their businesses, grow larger teams, and uh, ultimately just like be good leaders and managers. Awesome. Thank you. I I recently um, listened to the audiobook for Radical Candor, so I will definitely check out the other ones. Nice. Um, yeah, Radical Candor is really good. I recommend all of the, like, our managers and leaders to read that book because it's so true, but it's still just so like uh, counterintuitive to people who are brand new to managing. Right. Well, I mean, so I'm kind of in that space where I have about eight people working for me and we're actively hiring right now. And mm -hmm. so I've definitely had to learn a lot over these past few years of managing people um, mm -hmm. and, you know, confronting, you know, when things aren't going the way that I expect them to. Um, but also, you know, trying, trying to, you know, meet meet the issue head on, but then at the same way, you know, recognize that I'm dealing with people. And sometimes I need to take a breath <laughs> before having those conversations. Right. Yeah. For all the listeners, radical candor, the, the gist of it is that it's like difficult for most people to give honest feedback of like how they kind of like really think or believe. And instead they try to be like really polite or nice to people. And at the end of the day, employees actually do want critical feedback and they want you to be hard on them because it does, it helps them grow kind of like in their careers. It helps them understand what they're doing well and what they're doing poorly. And that kind of like all the best bosses and leaders are these people who give consistent and quick, honest feedback and are like, yeah, essentially just kind of like critical on them. Would you say that's a uh, kind of like a good overview of a 300 page book and a paragraph? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I think so. And, and that's where, you know, when I, when I first started out, I, you know, I could easily be too nice. Um, but what I also like about that book, what I learned about was that um, the advice you said about, you know, asking for feedback and then demonstrating that you're, you know, working on those things. So you want feedback from your direct reports um, about how you can improve as a leader. And, but then also you need to demonstrate that, you know, if that's something that you're going to agree that you need to work on, that you're going to show them that you're working on that. So, um, so how has the marketing changed? So over time, so initially you started off working with people doing webinars to their audiences. How has that evolved over time? Yeah. So the early days, like the webinars, working pretty well for me. What I didn't tell that story is, you know, like I was also trying a whole bunch of other things. And I would say it was like a classic case of like chasing shiny objects because I would read some content on SEO. I was like, okay, I'm going to start creating content every day, get this stuff ranked. And then I would like give up on it after like a month. I'm like, man, none of this stuff's driving any traffic. So then I would watch another piece of content about uh, Instagram. I was like, all right, man, I'm going to work on Instagram a lot. And I was just like really quick to try to jump around to all these different marketing channels and not give any of them kind of like the love and attention that they deserve to be good at it. And one thing I really realized from that is there's a lot of marketing channels that can be very effective for a whole bunch of businesses, right? Like pretty much any business 
listening to this, like there's a handful of different marketing channels that would probably be very effective for your business. The where a lot of people go wrong is in order for any of those to be effective, you have to be like pretty good at them. Like either you have to, or you have to hire someone that's like pretty good at them. If you do any of those just really, really poorly, it's not going to get you any results. And I definitely learned that the hard way. And so, yeah, I think like the first six or 12 months, I was just kind of like trying all different types of stuff, write a blog post for a few weeks. And then I wouldn't post anything for a few more months and then create some YouTubes and stop and whatever else. I'd say where it started to get like a little better organized and more effective was once we decided on two channels to like really focus on. One was video content on YouTube specifically, and the other one was just written blog posts on our blog. And some of those overlap where we, where we would have, uh, you know, we'd create a video and uh, put it on a blog post and write a blog about it as well. We're like, all right, why don't we just really focus on these for the next like six or 12 months? And I think just like the consistency, learning much better about uh, just how we can get good at those and how we can maximize those was a little bit like the turning point that I think just helped uh, just bring more awareness and more success to Jungle Scout. Because now you produce, you and your team produce a ton of content. Um, You have a lot of free resources for people and because you really want to help sellers grow their businesses. And so I love that, you know, not only do you have, you know, paid products to do that, but you also have a ton of free content to help people do that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, I think that's the, if I'm, if I think of like all of like the marketing activities Jungle Scout's ever done, the history of um, the company, the one that's been most effective for driving awareness uh, and ultimately probably like sales for the product is really just creating really helpful content and genuinely being really helpful for people and their businesses and uh, like their work on Amazon. Yeah, I think like when we started doing that quite a bit, it wasn't even necessarily the goal to have like this content or some of the things we're doing like drive signups. But instead I was just like, you know, why don't we just try to be just like the most helpful resource out there for Amazon sellers. And then after that, we'll figure out how to kind of like turn that into um, signups or to grow the audience from it or whatever else. And I'd, I'd say like it's paid off. You know, we... If you look at all of our competitors, we still get way more traffic than um, even like the second or third um, most popular tool in our space. And if you just kind of like ask around, the general public perception is like, wow, yeah, Jungle Scout's really helpful and it's a really good place to go to learn about selling on Amazon or to grow your Amazon business or really like all things around Amazon. You can probably find a good resource on Jungle Scout about it. Like I think uh, if you were just pull the general population the Amazon space. I think most of them would say that. That's awesome. Um, so one of uh, one of the themes that I've seen has been consistent with your company is that you are constantly giving back. So I'd like for you to speak to that, if you don't mind, as to how you've worked that in. What are some creative ways that you've done in order to um, give back working with charities and foundations? Yeah, that's, that's something that I'm passionate about. You know, I feel like after you've kind of like made it. I'm using air quotes so you can't see at a certain point in your life that it's a little bit like a responsibility to do the best you can to try to give back. You know, the the first thing that Jungle Scout did, like the first like philanthropic type event that Jungle Scout did was we did this case study pretty early on where we publicly launched a product on Amazon and built this business um, like 100% transparent you could see what we were doing every week. You could see the product, shared all the financials, kind of like everything. And one of the ways, it was called a million dollar case study. And one of the ways we just thought, you know, like that in itself is pretty cool. But I think we were just kind of like brainstorming, like what else can we do? Just like take it next level. That just make it that much cooler. And we came up with the idea. It was like, it would also just be really cool. All the money we made from the, the business that we're publicly building went to charity. Um, and that's what we did. And that's, all that money still goes to charity today. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool to have like, you know, it's fun to build this business. It's still running. All these products are still up for sale on Amazon. You can go see them. If you buy them, the profits go to charity. Uh, so, yeah, it was cool to have the whole world see us build this business and to uh, donate all the money. 
Awesome. Well, we'll look, we'll, we will link to that in the show notes. Everybody can check that out. I think that's phenomenal. And I know you've done a, a number of other ventures as well. So um, I think, I think that's really great when companies incorporate that into, you know, just part of who they are. Um, so I appreciate that. And I mean, you're definitely helping to, you know, change the world. If you think about the impact that you and your products have had um, with, you know, 225,000 customers, but then also, you know, the businesses that they're building and the lives that they're affecting with, you know, their families' lives and their employees and then their customers. So have you, have you ever stopped to think about, you know, this ripple effect that you've created here? I don't stop and think about it often enough, to be honest, because that is so true, Monica, that it's actually really hard for me. I don't know about you, but like for me to imagine what 225,000 people look like, you know, can you like imagine in your head what like uh, a field with 225,000 people? In it would look like? I think it's it'd be like, like a city. It's I'm like a city, think. like a city population. Yeah. I'm trying to think like a really big football stadium holds like 80,000 right. people, right? Right. So like three of those. That's a lot of people. That is. Um, yeah, it's really crazy. And, you know, some of them uh, may have gotten in and you never even end up starting their business. A lot of other people, you know, have small businesses. That, that's how they provide for their family. Some of our other customers have very large businesses and have hundreds of people working for them, you know. But it is so true that there's like a really just large uh, ripple effect from it that's really fascinating to think about. Um, you know, from our customers, like you said, like from the, the philanthropic aspect as well. And I think it's really easy. Maybe I'm more guilty of this than what other people are, but I think it's like really easy to just kind of like get caught in the day-to-day things and be running late for the next meeting or stressed out because you an inbox full you're forgetting to reply to and get so focused on that and um, not take the time to like step back and think about a little bit bigger picture. That's actually one of the great things about doing podcasts. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, no problem. I just, I just think that's phenomenal. And, um, I I just think we're all here to, you know, make the world a better place for it with the time that we have. Um, at least that's my philosophy. And so I just want to commend you for that because I think you're making a tremendous impact and, you know, probably more than you can even, you know, grasp your mind around, but I think what you're doing is very inspiring. Thank you very much. So along the way, um, I want to speak to the challenges that you've had. So are there any major like roadblocks or, you know, times where, you know, things got really tough. I'm sure growing so quickly, there were numerous challenges that you couldn't even foresee, but are there like any that you learned a lot from in, you know, dealing with this major roadblock? No, we haven't had any challenges. (laughs) (laughs) This is is like, I wish entrepreneurs talked about this side of it a little bit more, you know, like you always hear like the success story and they're ringing the bell on Wall Street or whatever. People don't talk about the hard times enough, and there's it's mostly hard times and sleepless nights. <laughs> My list is a mile long, but a few of the ones that are probably good to talk about. Like I remember one back in the day, we had a a tool for Amazon sellers called Review Kick, and back in the day at Amazon, you a lot of the listeners might remember this. Like it was actually legal and fair game on Amazon to incentivize people to leave reviews. So you could say like, hey, if you'll leave me a review, I'll give you my product for free. And it was a really effective way to get reviews on Amazon. As we all know, you know, the review system on Amazon is really important for getting people to purchase your product, essentially. So back then, it was fair game to incentivize them to leave reviews. So that's like we built this little product to do that, that you could give out free products on our website. And there's be like bargain hunters on there that would buy your product for free, per se, and then leave you a review. And they had to leave a review in order to get like their next free product. Like we kind of checked that. So as you get, and this was like totally legal and fair game and totally by the book. Um, So as you can imagine, it worked out quite well. Amazon sellers loved it because they could get a whole bunch of reviews really quickly. Uh, The shoppers, like our shopper list grew like crazy because you were getting a whole bunch of stuff for free. All you had to do was leave a review. (laughs) But Amazon changed that rule. Let's see, that was October of 2016. So we built this. I invested quite a bit of money to build this platform, but it was going really well. It was like growing way faster than Jungle Scout ever did. And I was like, man, this is like the future. (laughs) This is awesome. And uh, I remember like I was watching this webinar one night and during the webinar, someone was like, oh man, I just got an email on my phone that Amazon 
uh, banned incentivized reviews. And I remember my heart just like sank. I was like, dang. <laughs> like, I, it didn't surprise me that much. I kind of knew some of that may happen one day. But I think the, the fact that it just happened instantly, you know, it wasn't like starting in, you know, at the end of this year, there's, that's not allowed. It's like, no, they released something. And all of a sudden, this whole platform that I built and grown to be like pretty successful just died. <laughs> or, you know, like oh, it was no. not illegal. Um, so I remember that sucked really bad. That was definitely one of the harder times. What did you learn from that experience? Are you able to to have a silver lining on it now? You know, I'd say that a lot of people listening to this would probably say like, oh, the silver lining is don't ever become too reliant on like one platform or one thing. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but what I would agree with is, or I wish I would have just kind of like realized a little bit better that the chances of Amazon changing those rules are probably fairly high. Like it, it definitely was like a little bit manipulative and, you know, these customers probably were leaving better reviews than what they would have naturally if they didn't get the thing for free. Um, so like, it makes sense that it wasn't like a real healthy thing for their marketplace long-term. I think I kind of wish that I just had like the foresight of that more as opposed to like being all in on one platform. So uh, I'd say like, I still think about that today. You know, if we're thinking about, developments we're making to the product or just like with any platform or business sellers and entrepreneurs, they're always going to think of like these little kind of like hacky gray hat type things to do that then always kind of like get shut down. And today I'm just like so quick to just be like, no, that's, that might work right now for like manipulating product ranks or whatever, but you know, give Amazon a month or two and they'll get rid of that. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's important to think, you know, of what, you know, maybe we can't foresee of what it might've saved you from. Um, if you hadn't had that experience, you know, maybe you wouldn't make, you know, you it's changed the way you make decisions as you mentioned. So, um, yeah. So I I think there's always, you know, even with challenges like that, I can't imagine, you know, how you must've felt in that moment. But, um, but I think with things like that, it's, I think it's important to think, you know, big picture, there's probably something good that's going to come out of this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, And there definitely was like, it was a good learning experience. It was, um, it was also actually kind of like just a really cool time for our our team because it was really impressive just to see like the whole team just kind of like band together. And we ended up being able to kind of like salvage like kind of half the platform and turn it into something a little bit different. And it was actually kind of like, a I actually have like really good memories about how our team hit like this tough time that was challenging and like we were worried about it. But just like the the human will and spirit to like persevere through things like that and have everyone kind of like band together. Um, those are pretty special memories in my mind. That's great. So I want to, I want to ask you, um, I want to talk about Jungle Scout and growing an e-com business. Um, but before we get to that, um, can you share, did you have any mindset challenges of going from, you know, this more scrappy, can I, is that fair to say scrappy entrepreneur, you know, building your physical product business, you know, and, you know, having quit your job and, and then, you know, testing out this, this tool that was really just for your benefit initially to, you know, growing this huge company with 125 employees and 225,000 customers. So have you had any mindset challenges that you've had to overcome in order to kind of fuel that growth? I'd say probably like the biggest mindset challenge for me was the inability to think a little bit bigger, like bigger picture, longer term, what it could potentially be. If I look back on just like the early days of Jungle Scout, I was just only ever thinking like a month or two or three ahead. <laughs> like that was like, and I don't really know why that was for sure because the company was always had like good profit margins. It's not like it was ever, you know, about to die if we didn't make this one thing happen in the next week or two, but probably not until we were, you know, maybe like two years ago or something when, I don't know, let's say it was like 50 people. Did I really start to think about like, okay, like where, you know, like where could this go or what could it become in three years or five years or 10 years? And like, are we putting ourselves on the path for that? Because yeah, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty crazy to think about if this is what we've done in the past four and a half years, like where we could go in, let's say like five more years. So I think that was the biggest mindset challenge for me. I just, I just, I never experienced, yeah, just growing larger companies. It was just hard for me to think in that mindset. 
So preparing yourself and kind of thinking more future focused. Yeah. I think if you're listening to this right now, the takeaway would be like, just stop and just like spend 30 minutes, like just thinking to yourself of like, Hey, where do I want this to go in the next like three, five years? Like where could it go? What, what are those options like sound exciting to me? Where would I like it to be? Um, Cause there's no right or wrong answer here. You know, like it's also like perfectly awesome. Just say like, Hey, I want this to be like, Oh, I just want this to be, or I just want to be a solo entrepreneur forever. Like I don't want to have to deal with managing people because yeah, managing people has tons of headaches associated with it. Or maybe you want it to be like, maybe you want an IPO or, but I think it would just, if you're listening to this right now and you had the mindset like I used to have, I think it's beneficial just like spend 30 minutes just like thinking about all these different paths that it could go down and what it could potentially be, whatever you're working on. Thank you. Okay. So I know you have different products. So Jungle Scout is the company, correct? But then you have various products. And so share a little bit, you know, about what they can do. And for somebody who has an an established business already um, with physical products selling on Amazon, and then others who might be thinking about adding physical products to the mix. Yeah. So actually the other products underneath the Jungle Scout umbrella, uh, those were through primarily through acquisitions. And we're actually just kind of like rolling all that up into our core Jungle Scout products. I'll just kind of talk about it. Jungle Scout, if you are not yet selling on Amazon, is uh, most beneficial or the most common way that it's used is to either find good opportunities on Amazon to start selling on there. Or honestly, like a lot of people use Jungle Scout to understand sales trends, sales data, what's trending up, what's trending down in e-commerce in general. Since like more than half of e-commerce sales now happen on Amazon, like even if you're listening to this and you have your own e-commerce store or even if you're selling digital products or whatever else, you know, like the, the sales data and information that we gather from Amazon is like really powerful for any, like almost any type of commerce, you know? So it's really good at that. If you are already selling on Amazon, Jungle Scout has like a full suite to not only help you find new opportunities, but also do your keyword research and build optimized listings to uh, track your keyword ranks, to managing your business, profit analytics, to your inventory management, and a whole lot more. So yeah, for Amazon sellers now, it's really a tool to not only find new products and opportunities, but also to manage and grow and optimize your business. Very cool. So does this also apply to authors who are selling their books on Amazon? Could it also be a tool to help them? Yeah, we have a lot of authors who use it to see, you know, what are, uh, especially the like smaller authors or people who are doing like shorter Kindle books and stuff, because it's really useful to see what's trending well, like in the book categories also, you know, oftentimes it's like the, the hottest, coolest diet at the time, or, you know, whether people are thinking more about uh, this type of exercise than that type of exercise, or even like parenting techniques, or there's just all kinds of stuff like that, that, um, yeah, even if like you're an author or, yeah, like I say, creating digital products or whatever else, it's like really beneficial to know what's just like trending well. Very cool. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, but you have been um, so generous and you've offered our listeners 30% off. Um, so I thank you for that. And so for the listeners, you can go to monicalouie.com slash jungle scout to check out the tools and then grab that 30% off. So thank you so much, Greg. Where can people go if they want to learn more about you or learn more about Jungle Scout? Yeah. So through your links, a great place to find out more about Jungle Scout and a whole bunch of resources on our site pretty active on YouTube. Usually you're putting up a few videos per week on there. If you want to follow me personally, the best place is on Instagram, G underscore Mercer. Uh, yeah, pretty active on there for what I'm up to in life. So thank you very much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a blast talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. Gosh, I'm still wrapping my head around the impact that Greg and his team at Jungle Scout have made around the world, and I love that he was so open in sharing his journey with us. As Greg mentioned, there are a lot of uses for Jungle Scout, so if you'd like to check it out and learn more, you can go to monicalouie.com slash junglescout. That is my affiliate link, but Greg has so generously offered a 30% 
discount for Flourish to Seven Figures podcast listeners. And I would absolutely love to hear your biggest takeaways from this episode. Share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 41 or tag Greg and me on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica and he's at G underscore Mercer. And I want to give a huge thank you once again to Greg Mercer for coming on the podcast and sharing his insights with us. I absolutely loved this deep dive into how Jungle Scout grew from a side hustle to his e-commerce business to serving more than 225,000 customers worldwide in just five short years. You'll find all the links and resources that we mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 41. Thank you so much for joining Greg and me today. If you're ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through the six steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus, there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you're like me then you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. And as I mentioned, I'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash 41. If you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another special guest interview heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. And we're talking about Facebook ads. I completely geeked out in this interview because my guest shared how she earned over $800,000 in one launch. She's sharing how she did it, the ad strategy she used, what worked, and what didn't. So if you'd like to geek out with us too, join us next time on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care and flourish.